Win at Work and Life with Nikki Bush is the podcast where you and I explore what it means to win at both work and life. Today, you get to choose how to create a life of meaning and self-expression that includes both your work and life outside the office with your family. In this episode, I'll be talking to Wayne Rogers, a down-to-earth, calm, and thoughtful financial advisor about how to raise financially savvy and financially independent children so that they will not be on your payroll into their 30s. Wayne has raised three children and believes it's not difficult for young people to become financially independent. Wayne Rogers has a postgraduate diploma in financial planning. He's a certified financial planner with the Financial Planning Institute. He has 28 years of experience and has been an independent financial planner for 24 of those years. He established Wayne Rogers Financial Brokers in 1997, and he's married with three grown-up children. Of course, financial planning is an important aspect of future-proofing yourself, and you can read more on that topic in my new book, Future Proof Yourself, which is available at nickybush.com and in all good bookstores. Wayne, it's fabulous to have you on the Win at Work and Life podcast. I'm looking forward to a practical and robust conversation with you today. Hi, Nikki. Thanks for the invitation. I'm happy to be discussing this very important topic with you. Wayne, what I love about you is that you appeal to the common sense in your clients, and you're very real, and you use your personal experience to educate your clients. So the big question is, why are so many people still supporting their children way into their late 20s and early 30s? Nikki, we can only speak from experience. We've got three uh, grown-up children, as you know, and my, my oldest daughter is 31. She's a hairdresser. My son is 29, and he's got a BCom and works in finance. And my youngest daughter is still studying, and she also owns her own business, an online business, together with my wife. And there's two things that are very important to young, adult, young adults in South Africa. The first thing is they need to learn a skill to earn a living, and they need a car. And without these two things, they're not going to move forward. So our deal with our children is always that we would pay for their education and we'd help them to find a skill to earn a living and we would buy their first car. And as I said, in, in South Africa, this is a necessity. Um, they don't get a lining car, they get a second-hand car, but a car that works and that they can replace as they start earning an income. So Wayne, did you have a kind of a cutoff date in your head in terms of age by when they perhaps should be on their own two feet financially? We did. Um, it was always going to be probably in around about age 25. Uh, but the children, your children also speak to you. You know, and at 25, uh, they start, their personalities start clashing with yours and, and they start spreading their wings. And, and it's at that point that they want to actually go and they'll only go and move on in life if they're in a position to do it. Um, if they don't, it's downhill from there because then you're going to be fighting with your children for the rest of your life while they're living in your house still. And let's just talk about that a little bit. When, you, when we say clashing and fighting with our children, um, I think you, you've got a lovely way of explaining that. And I know you're not the parenting expert, but you, you yeah. do this so well. Uh, you know, why do we clash with our children? You talk about needing space to grow. Uh, we're all individuals, and as we get older, that personality is going to want to come out. Um, if I can use my son as an example, you know, we're both males, and we both want to be the male in the house, but there's, there's only ever space for one male in the house. Yeah, one um, alpha, one alpha. One alpha male, yeah. And at, at the end of the day, 
um, all that ends up happening is you suppress your child's own personality by keeping him at home. He's not ever going to, or she's not, never going to actually spread their wings unless they can be free of your influence. Yeah, so you're because, cramping their style yeah, in a sense. Correct. Yeah, and you've been influencing every decision they've made ever since they were born. Uh, born. And that's also a reason why they stop listening to you is, is because it's the only voice they ever hear. Mm, so they tune you out, so to speak. And, and we have to create that space. I think that's such a, a beautiful way to put it because it's, it's not that you're having a personality clash. It's not that they are irresponsible. It's not that you're overbearing. It's just the natural order of human development of adulting, so to speak. It is, definitely. And, you know, you're going to get a few opportunities that come your way with your children to be able to influence them. And you have to take those opportunities when they present themselves. And, and one of those opportunities is the day, the day they start earning that first paycheck and they're still living at home. It's a good opportunity for you to draw a few, uh, or make up a few rules. To Shall govern we call what agreements? Agreements. Absolutely, yeah. So if I can take it back to while our kids were studying, all three of them were doing odd jobs while they studied. So, so my oldest daughter did promotion work in the shopping centers, and she earned extra money like that while she studied. Um, my son coached cricket at the school that he used to go to, and because and, he studied part-time through UNISA, so he had plenty of time to, to actually earn income while he was studying. And my youngest daughter is doing a lot of house-sitting and pet-sitting. And, and the minute they started earning money from there, we started making rules about the money where it's not something that you just get in and you spend you've got to start taking some of that money and doing something with it so that you can improve your lifestyle. And so we have this 20% rule in our house that when you start to work, you need to either pay us rent or we'll set up a debit order off your account into the investment for 20% of what you earn and you can start creating wealth so that you can move on in life. That's the agreement that we have with our kids. And, and there is a bit of pushback, but it is one of those, um, those things where you can... Get your children to do it at the, at the right point. And when they start working, they start feeling quite independent and they want to stretch their wings. And, and you can say, well, look, you can move now. You're earning an income. And we know they can't because they don't have the means to do it. Or we can help you to move one day. And that's the reason for this 20% of your income going into an investment. Because when you leave the house, then you'll have enough money that you can then go and buy a property of your own and move. So when you say go and buy a property on your own and move, I know your daughter, your hairdressing daughter, bought her first property. Was it at 25? She did, yeah. So Amazing. Uh, Most yeah. adults don't buy their first property until much they later. They don't. No, they don't. And, and, you know, her first entry income when she started as a hairdresser was very low. I mean, she was an apprentice and she was earning under 2,000 rand a month. That 20% of 2,000 rand is, is money. And, and it doesn't matter the amount. It's the habit that you're getting them to form at a very young age. And so the 20% starts going off on a debit order into their investment and starts accumulating. And as they start earning more money, um, they got to start taking over their own costs. So, for example, when my daughter finished her apprenticeship after two years, she went on the floor and started cutting people's hair and doing colors and things and, and, and earned a substantially larger amount of money. And so... At that point, it's, a, it's, it's another one of those areas that you've got to recognize where you've got to put your foot down because if they're earning a large amount of money and they're getting to spend everything every month and blow it, um, you're not going to be able to rein them back in to, to create a habit out of budgeting that money properly. 
So as she started earning more money, the 20% we increased um, into a higher percentage that could go into the investment. And as she started earning more, she needed to start paying her own cell phone, her own insurance, her own petrol, and her own medical aid. But we did it in an increment. So as the income went up, we, we started slowly introducing those costs into her budget. And at the end of the day, there had to be just enough left in the budget for spending. Um, and we had a second rule that we introduced also the minute they started working is they weren't allowed to have any self, uh, they weren't allowed to have any credit cards, short-term loans, clothing accounts, anything where they had to pay interest. If they wanted something, they had to use their own money to go and buy it. And that would be the money that's left over after they've invested and they paid their costs. So there was a lot of pushback there too, because um, kids of that age that have just started working want a credit card because it looks good um, and, and it's flashy. And so when they go out and they entertain with their friends and it comes time to pay, they can pull out their credit card and it looks cool. Um, my kids pulled out cash and paid. You know, and it didn't look that cool, but they didn't get into debt. And if you can get them to stay away from credit cards and debt until age about 25, they'll never go into debt after that because they'll have seen what it's done to their friends. And, and I can tell you a lot of their friends got a lot of debt um, that they're going to take the next five to 10 years to pay off before they can move forward. And they need to avoid the debt trap, which is really about creating Absolutely. a regular bad habit. Yeah. So by the time they left home, they already had enough going to savings each month to, to cover the payment on a bond or a rental. And when my daughter got to age was 24, just before 25, she had about 100,000 rand saved and she bought a property for 730,000 rand. Um, it was a two bedroom, one bathroom flat um, in Danefern area. And she um, put a deposit down, about 73 or 74,000 rand, she put a 10% deposit down. And she had enough money left over to buy some odds and ends for the flat and to pay their lawyer's fees and transfer fees. In those days, there's still transfer fees. And, and then she moved. And she was quite able to move because the bond repayment was the money that she used to put into savings. And so she could quite easily afford her bond. Let's pick up on that, Wayne, because that whole exercise in creating good money habits of putting the money aside and being able to put down that, that deposit is supported by the fact that the bank would give her a bond because she yeah. pays off her debts on a regular basis. That's her credit worthiness. So let's step back to what you said earlier, where you said she, your kids need to learn how to cover their costs step by step. So you talked about petrol, you talked about medical aid, you talked about insurance. Those are regular payments that go off your account that prove to the bank that you are a good risk. Correct. And you had a regular income coming in and you'd put down a 10% deposit because most first-time homeowners take 100% bond. Now you're putting a 10% deposit down. So that also gives you credit worthiness. One, something else that gives you credit worthiness is the cell phone. So if you've got a small cell phone contract and I put emphasis on small because there's no need to go and buy an expensive phone at that age. Um, then that also gives you credit worthiness for when you're applying for a, for a bond. Yeah, I think it's uh, an important conversation to have because I think credit worthiness is very misunderstood. I know, for example, with my own uh, son, he talked about, mama must get a credit card because I need a credit rating. And yeah. that's the first easy trap 
that you fall into is to get that credit card. And then, of course, if you have one, you use it. Yeah, and the banks hand those credit cards out like candy. So, and, and they actually come up with that phrase of, well, you need a credit rating, take a credit card. And, you know, when you go and buy something on a credit card, you've got nothing to give back if you can't pay, pay for it. So, so you'll buy a meal at a restaurant and then you can't pay it. They can't come repossess the meal. So in my opinion, the banks are making a huge mistake because they're, they're giving out uh, free debt. Well, not free debt. I mean, it comes with a huge, big interest. But they're giving it out easily, and they can't go and grab it back again if you don't pay. So Wayne, you've actually got a single set of um, rules, a framework, so to speak, that you've used with all three of your children. And all of your children are so unique and different from each other. You have a daughter who's a hairdresser, you have a son who's been through university and is in the finance world, and then you have your youngest daughter who's just starting to flap her wings. How different has it been to apply the framework to each of your children? Uh, it's, it's the same thing for each one of them, but you've got to, you've got to be able to adapt because they're not always earning um, consistent income. So the debit order system that you put in place um, Occasionally, it needs to be put on hold while they change jobs. But luckily, I'm a financial planner, so I can just go on the computer and put it on hold and then start it again when necessary. But, but it's all to do with their personalities. My son is, is a lot more analytical um, than my hairdressing daughter. So, so he, got the, he got it a lot quicker, but he also pushed back a lot quicker because um, he felt he could do it better, being more of an analytical person and being somebody that was studying a VCOM. But it didn't matter to me. The rules still apply to him as well. And, and he did the same thing. By the time he got to 25, in fact, it reached a point with my son that he had the money to go and buy the property. And he was owning and eyeing about whether he should buy or go and rent. Um, and eventually we said to him, you know, make up your mind. Do one of them, but do it. Because, because that whole personality thing was starting to happen. And he was flapping his wings. And, and the flapping of the wings is the thing that causes all the bouncing around of personalities in the house. Um, and, and so he made a decision and him and his girlfriend actually went and bought a property together and, and he moved on at 25. So, so now my 22 year old um, is very unique in that she's currently not earning a regular income, but she does earn money out of her house sitting, pet sitting. She's studying, she's um, currently doing an online course to become an English teacher and study uh, and teach English to, to um, People that uh, you know, people that don't have English as their first language, so Taiwanese and Chinese, and so they do it online. Um, and and so, but she's already got about sixty thousand rand saved on money that she's been earning out of house sitting, pet sitting, um, and she's her money is actually invested offshore because we're not too sure whether she's going to be buying property or not. We've just got to see what the property rights in South Africa um, how that all pans out. But but yeah, so she's investing. She's doing exactly the same thing. And regardless of whether she's actually bought the property or is saving up towards wherever it's going to go, she is cementing that mindset of I am, I can, and I will. And she's building up the flexibility to have options. Yeah, she is. Uh, she can buy a freedom. You know, at age 24, 25, when she also starts to get um, um, restless, you know, she can move on. And she might take a year longer, she might move quicker. It's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's that financial independence they need and the understanding of money and the understanding of budgeting and providing for themselves 
uh, if they can grasp that concept, by the time they get it 24, 25, um, they're ready to move on and they're ready to make a life for themselves. Uh, there's a lot of 24, 25 year olds that have absolutely no understanding of those concepts. Uh, and, and then parents wonder why their kids don't move on. I was involved in a conversation recently uh, around parents, both of whom are in the medical profession, both of whose children have qualified in the medical profession and can't find jobs to their liking. Yeah. And at 35, and the other one's about 32, both children are still at home, fully on their parents' payroll. Their parents' retirement plans have had to be shelved because okay. they are still shelling out so much money to support their children who are waiting for the ideal job. What's interesting about your scenario with your own children is that there is no perfect job. There is no perfect income. You can actually start this any which way you like at any time, whether you're earning money from odd jobs or a full-blown career, the same habit applies. So I can use my son as an example again, where um, he didn't particularly like his first job. Um, and and you know the, for the first year it was a case of well you know he's still looking around for something else but he did the job youngsters most youngsters don't like their first job you know why yeah. because they don't know what they want firstly and secondly work is work and i yeah. think our kids have quite an inflated sense of what work looks like and they think work's going to be sexy but actually yeah. work <laughs> is, is is called work because it's hard work <laughs> it is a slave work <laughs> i always say that that if you if you look at a job as a pyramid only the top 10% is sexy. The rest of the yeah. stuff below the waterline is where all the hard graft happens. And that's what nobody else sees. And yeah. when you get into your first job, I think suddenly you see what's below the iceberg for the first time. Yeah. And you go, oh, hell, is this all that work's cracked up to be? <laughs> yeah. So it's scary. And they're answering to a boss. Yeah. And you're also feeling quite unconfident and incompetent to a degree, Absolutely. until yeah. you sharpen your saw. But what I like about what you're talking about in terms of, it's not the amount that you put away, it's the habit that you're creating, is that you're creating options, whether you like your job or not, it doesn't matter. Every little cent that you put away counts to creating a life of option. Absolutely. And it's also starting habits that will last you for the rest of your life because you're used to doing those things. And, and you know, when you start off doing them in your early 20s, if you just keep it up and you see what it's produced, especially when you go and buy a property with it, um, you understand that, you know, putting money away every month doesn't necessarily mean you're going to feel good about that money this month. But when it comes through and you get to do something with it later on um, and you can achieve something and you get that sense of achievement, um, that's what it's all about. And, you know, those jobs... At the end of the day, I mean, my son, after the first year, he started settling down. He's been there a couple of years now. And what he's realized is by hanging in there, he's created a track record for himself now where work is concerned. And it looks really good on his CV. Um, but the first three years, he, wasn't, he didn't care about the CV part. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's not what you earn, what you do with what you earn. But it's also not what you study. It's what you actually do with what you study. I mean, you're just getting a skill. You want to take that skill and you want to start earning money with it. And then if you get better options further down, that's great. Yeah, there's, there's a, um, a real connection there. What you said was 
He's creating a track record over time at work that looks really good on his CV in the same way as you create a track record with your money, depending on what you choose to do with it. Wayne, one of the things that we do really badly as adults, whether you're an educator or a parent, is that we don't teach our children about the power of compound interest. We teach them often how to make money, how to go out and exchange your skills and your time and your energy for money. But there's a missing part of the conversation. And that is that if you work for money, you can then make your money work for you. So while you're sleeping, while you're on holiday in December, if you have been in this habit of saving and investing, that money works for you 24-7. It does. And, you know, there's also different personality styles with children where some of them will watch the money every day and there's others that will just ignore it. And it's the child that ignores the money the most but just puts it aside every month that actually grows the money the quickest. Um, the person that looks at it every day, they actually, it's almost like they're forcing it not to grow. So. So you just want to create a habit. You get a paycheck every month, take a good slice of that paycheck, invest it into something that's going to grow, and then forget about it. And keep on doing that every month. And revisit it every couple of months, maybe a year, just to see where you're progressing. But make sure the debit orders are back. That's the big thing. Um, because after that, whatever's left at the end of that paycheck is for you to spend. So you make sure you set some aside. And you know, when you're saving for a property, you're going to be saving more in a money market type investment. But as soon as you've achieved that and you've bought your property, your investment go into growth account, you know, where you invest into unit trusts that invest into shares and bonds and cash and property and commodities and all sorts of different asset classes um, locally and offshore. Uh, and, and so that's when your investments start to become almost like better investments. But the understanding of the debit order and that habit is what's important. Just set it up in the beginning. So we'll call it the discipline of the debit order. Yeah. There's another comment I'd like to make about kids of today is this whole thing of instant gratification. So what prevents a lot of them from moving forward, and, and that example of that person you know with the three children that have all studied is they're all looking for instant gratification. They want to get a degree. In fact, um, another thing my son said after he got his degree, he said, I've got my degree now, now what? You know, so you know, where is it? You know, we've done it, so where's the job? Where's the this? I said, well, this is the only way to begin. You know, you've actually now got to go and find it. Um, and it's not easy. You know, you've got to make your way in the world now. And that really happened. He, he got to the end of the degree almost thinking, well, I've done it now, so I should get something back in return. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, that's the kind of entitlement mentality that young people have been yeah. brought up with, which is part of what I was talking about in terms of work is actually not very sexy. Uh, they've, no. they've been brought up to think in these big pictures and these beautiful pictures, but they don't quite match reality. And they have to learn that they're the ones who actually create the picture for themselves. And you do it through effort, hard work, sharpening your saw, uh, investing, growing your wealth, um, and doing that in really what you're saying is in everyday ways. You don't actually have to go and shoot the lights out. You actually just have to be as consistent as possible and make those disciplined debit order payments out of whatever it is you're earning, whether you're earning a big yeah. paycheck or a small paycheck, it's the discipline that counts. So here's a question for you that I think kicks in somewhere around the time 
when you buy a property or you get into a very uh, maybe permanent relationship like a marriage, talk to us about the purpose of policies in your financial portfolio, because there are things like life insurance and insurance for your car, and maybe you have to start thinking about um, dread disease, cover, disability, that sort of thing, because now you've got these debit orders that go off. What if you're incapacitated for some reason? Well, when you buy the property, the bank can automatically um, sort of suggest and insist that you have a policy to, to cover the bond. So, so if you die, at least the bond is paid off, or if you're disabled. Um, if you, when you start working, uh, all my children, when they started to work, is um, you've got to ask yourself a question. If you can no longer work because something's happened, you're in an accident, you're blind, you're disabled, um, there's two questions you need to ask yourself. One is, who can afford to look after you now? And the second question is, who actually wants to look after you now? Because you're an adult, um, you become a burden to yourself and, and everybody because you now can't work and actually fend for yourself. And I mean, I use the word burden. I mean, my kids will never be a burden to you, but, but it's a reasonable question to ask. And just setting up a policy that gives you decent disability cover with income protection um, to pay for your own bills for the rest of your life is a very responsible thing to do. And it shouldn't cost a lot of money when you're young. So, so the first thing for youngsters, disability cover. And then the death cover for any of your debts. So if you've got a bond, you're going to have some death cover there and lump sum disability. And then dreaded diseases can happen anytime. Luckily for young people, these policies are quite cheap. So you don't have to spend a fortune on it, um, but have something in place, definitely. And put it in place while you're a low risk person, because as you get yeah. older and your body starts failing, uh, it gets A, more expensive, and B, they start investigating you more <laughs> to see they whether do. they'll even they cover do. you. Yeah, especially if you say no to all the medical questions and you're 50 years old, they're going to say, well, Surely something's happened to you for the last 50 years. Yeah. I guess there's a caveat here that one must always be aware that you're in the crosshairs of product marketers. And yeah. there's always going to be a good reason to buy another product or add extra cover, et cetera. So I guess my take on this is to find yourself an independent financial planner who can help you to look at these things with perspective. So don't go and just buy things because they're being advertised. You really need to see them as part of the, the whole financial planning journey, which is actually very linked to your life planning journey. They're not completely different things that stand apart. They are intertwined. I think so often we see our money as outside of us but it's actually very much part of our journey and our dance with life, isn't it? It is. You've got to learn to look through the sizzle, I think is what you were saying there, where um, yeah, a lot of the companies do sell a lot of sizzle and they do make it look very, very nice. Uh, and so the youngsters are tempted to go and buy into a whole lot of things they possibly don't even need. Um, so, so it's important to look through all of that and, and, and just take the things that are really important but most important is you need liquidity. So at the end of the budget, um, and your money has is, is, is been spread across your budget, there's got to be room there for you to live still and enjoy your life. So you've got to live within your means. And a person that gets taught that at a young age is always going to be doing that. Um, the person that starts off 
and, and goes and purchases things and uses credit cards and clothing accounts and all sorts of different things to push their, their spending up to the limit every month, they're going to battle their way through life. It's going to be, they're going to be unhappy. So I guess we need to do these practical exercises, you know, whether it's that, you know, you get uh, sold a policy that maybe you don't need and it's 350 rand a month that's going towards a policy or whether it is a store card, which are so easy to get and you land up having to pay another 350 rand into a store card every month and you now that's 700 rand and maybe there's another 250 that you're frittling away on something else. That's a thousand rand a month. And if you take that thousand rand a month and say, well, if I was putting that thousand rand into a, a, an investment that's growing, what's that going to give me over the next, say, 20 or 30 years versus paying off all this stuff? And I think then it becomes a no brainer. But I don't think we do these exercises with our kids. No, we don't. And a big um, eye opener for children is when you show them on their bond, uh, the bond that they got on their house that if they just pay that extra 500 rand a month, how quickly the bond actually reduces because they're paying off the capital and the bank is actually charging them interest on the capital every single month. So as they reduce their capital, the interest calculation gets made each month on the remaining capital. So if they can pay in a bit extra on that, they're going to reduce um, the interest payments over the, over the term of their bond. And, and so they, they need to learn to put extra into the bond to create liquidity for themselves in case they do have a month or two where they can't pay their bond. So they're mm -hmm. already ahead on that debt. And then the balance of the liquidity must go into investments. And, and, and compounding interest gets taught while you, you're learning about your bond repayment, which is not compounding interest, that's saving on interest. But it's all the same concept. Um, if they can save on the bond side, if they can invest on the other side and keep, and keep the debt out of their budget, that'll mm. be good. So... When you talk about liquidity, the word that comes up for me is creating a buffer. It's a buffer zone. It's, it's, a, it's a tool. Uh, I think you mentioned to me, uh, you know, like when COVID happened, some people weren't able to pay their bonds, where your daughter was in a position where she was ahead of her payments. So it was never, ever an issue, the fact that she maybe couldn't cut hair for two months or three months. In fact, it was a couple of months. It was more than a month or two, uh, wow. where hairdressers really couldn't work. And she, could, she didn't have to stress about that. So her initial bond repayment was, I think, 6,300 rand a month when she first took out the bond. And she immediately started paying 8,000 rand a month from the day that she started paying off her bond. So by the time COVID happened, she was probably two or three years ahead on the bond. Wow. So to stop paying for maybe two or three months made absolutely no difference to anything. And she had money in the bank because, not the bank, but in her investment, because her monthly premium on her investment split some into, into money market and some into growth account. And the money that goes into money market on her monthly investment is the money that she uses to take leave every day. Because if she's not cutting hair, she's not making money. So, so she's setting aside money with the debit order. And then when she takes leave, she doesn't have to worry about having to earn because they earn commission. I mean, that's what hairdressers earn their money. Wayne, give us a little bit of insight into mindset because you're quite uh, a strong proponent of self-talk what you say to yourself really matters the words you use how often you say them because you're actually giving your own energy direction talk to us about that and your your daughter this is what what brought it up for me because i know that you did something in particular with your daughter who cuts hair and it's translated into her earning what she needs to earn or what she wants to earn 
yeah, it's all a mindset, as you say. So, and and it's almost like a form of prayer, really, when you when you're calling stuff to you, and and uh, you're visualizing it um, to come to you as opposed to move away from you. So, so my daughter learned that uh, when she started hairdressing, what I actually said to her is, you know, most of the money for hairdressers gets made doing colors. So you want to start doing a lot of colors with ladies, and and so you need to start saying that you do three to four colors every day. Because by saying that, what you're doing is you're actually attracting it towards yourself. And there was actually a book written um, called The Divine Matrix, where they actually proved that whatever thoughts you're thinking never stop going. They, they go out into the universe, it bumps around with people, influences them, and, and that's how you change everything in your life. Um, I can use a quick example where they put a person in a room and they took some of his DNA and they put it into a vacuum in the room next door. And they showed him movies about all sorts of things, drama, love, you know, violence. And his DNA changed as he was going, as his emotions were changing, his DNA was reacting in this vacuum. And so I thought, well, that might have been a fluke. So they, they took his DNA 3,000 miles away and they did the exact same thing. And his, his DNA reacted as he was reacting, which to me proves that whatever you're thinking is what's happening in your life. So think the right thoughts. But they also call that the butterfly effect. So what's happening yeah. on, you know, when a butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the world, it's felt on the other side of the world. Absolutely. So she... she Cut a, cut a blade of grass and all earth tremors. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so your daughter is putting that out every day in terms of the fact that she wants more of the work that brings her the better money. Um, Absolutely. That's the intention that she's, that she's actually putting out there. And... You've got a mantra. She's also very busy. So she's working. She's busy all the time. Oh, that's fantastic. fantastic. So we talked quite a lot today about um, the practical side of things. We're now getting into that sort of energetic side of things. And there's also something that you mention often, and that is about, you know, there's so many aspects of life. We are not just about the finances. We're not just about our bodies. Uh, you talk about that whole wheel of life and kindness and generosity and all of those things. Just very briefly, um, can you touch on that before we start wrapping up? Okay, so so there are seven areas in life that you really want to be paying attention to. And this is not something that I've developed. This is something that's been going for years. Uh, and, and most goal setting evolves around the seven areas of life. Um, to give examples, you've got like, your physical and your health, um, where you've got to look after your body, you've got to look after your, your, um, the way you eat, um, your personal, social, work and career, family, spiritual, financial, mind and intellect. So, so at the end of the day, you want to be setting goals for all seven of those areas, not just your financial goals. Because if you're putting all your emphasis on your financial goals, but you're neglecting family, for example, or you're ne neglecting your physical and your health, um, you're going to fail. You're setting yourself up to fail because you're not in balance. And, and so you want to be creating balance in your life so that you can um, be successful in all areas. So it's not necessarily to try and become super wealthy. You want, to, you want to create enough money where you're happy. So if you follow the natural laws, if you give away some money, money comes back to you. If you give away love, love comes back to you. So, so whatever it is that you're looking for in life, if you focus a bit on those things that you're looking for, um, with other people, uh, that whole give and take, um, then you'll find that everything works for you. And, and your goal in life should be to create balance. 
um, not necessarily to overachieve in any specific area. Mm. So you're talking about creating a life that works. It's not about aiming for perfection. It's about gunning for workability. So Wayne, we're coming to the end of, of our session together. It's been an absolutely enlightening conversation. You've given us a fabulous reminder that we need to let our children go to give them space to grow. And that means cutting the apron strings and helping them to become financially independent of us as soon as possible. So thank you for giving so generously of your time and your experience. How can our listeners contact you? WayneRogers.co.za. That's our website and all our details are there. And that Wheel of Life is also on the website. Fantastic. Do you have any closing comments? I think, look, the whole conversation was about children and our kids and how to get them to move on. One final thought on that is you want to teach your children to find a source of inspiration that will keep them going once they've left home. And the easiest way to do that is to try and encourage them to read the right books. And I'm very fortunate that all three of my children read books. And when I say books, I'm talking about motivational books. Um, they've also got to, you want to try and get them to read novels because that's one of those areas in that balance, that world, where you take your mind away from everything. But reading is, is very important and, and our children don't do enough of that. You, you want to try and give them small little books like Who Moved My Cheese? And little ah. books that they can, yeah, little bite-sized books, they'll love it. I love that book. It made such an impact on me in my early 20s. So let's leave it at that point because the cheese will always be moving in our lives and we have to prepare our children for a life of having to adapt, be flexible and adjust as that cheese moves. Wayne, what a great place to leave this conversation because we are living in unpredictable, disruptive times. The cheese is always moving. Let's make sure that we set our children up for a world in which they have to move with the cheese. Thank you, Wayne. To our listeners, please send through your comments, questions, and topic suggestions to info at nickybush.com. You're invited to share this podcast with your friends and colleagues to empower them to win at work and life too.